from Maine Public Radio and mainepublic.org. I'm Robbie Feinberg with the news on this day in Maine, Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. This Day in Maine is made possible by listener support and by Eastern Basements, a division of Maine-owned Eastern Mold Remediation, offering basement waterproofing solutions, easternbasements.com. A man from Biddeford has been charged in connection with the January 6th breach of the U.S. Capitol in 2021. In a complaint filed with the U.S. District Court in the District of Columbia, 45-year-old Christopher Moore is charged with assaulting and impeding law enforcement officers with a deadly weapon. According to the complaint, Moore attempted to strike police officers who were assisting another rioter with a medical emergency. Court documents say he later attempted to attack law enforcement officers with a large pole that he picked up from the ground. Moore has been charged with two felonies and five misdemeanors and was arrested on Wednesday morning in Westbrook. He's expected to make his first court appearance in Maine on Wednesday. The head of the state agency that provides low-income defendants with attorneys has announced that he will step down later this year. As Kevin Miller reports, Justin Andrus has helped lead the push to overhaul Maine's indigent legal defense system. When he was hired back in 2021... Andrus was only supposed to serve for a few months as executive director of the Maine Commission on Indigent Legal Services. At the time, the commission was roiled in controversy and accusations of sloppy financial management, and Andrus was brought in to help stabilize and begin making improvements at an agency that the ACLU of Maine and legal experts warned was failing to fulfill the state's constitutional obligation to provide lawyers to defendants who can't afford to hire their own. Andrus told the commission this week that he plans to step down as executive director by the end of June. I'm not running away. I tend to stay in the fight, stay in the fray, and serve indigent folks. Maine is the only state in the nation that, until recently, relied entirely on private attorneys willing to represent indigent defendants in return for compensation. But the number of attorneys willing to take on that work has cratered in the past two years, from more than 400 to roughly 160, leaving some defendants without timely representation and the ACLU filed a class-action lawsuit against the state last year. But Andrews and commission members convinced state lawmakers and Governor Janet Mills last year to hire five public defenders to help tackle the backlog. Mills has proposed expanding that program as part of her current budget proposal, and Andrews told commissioners on Wednesday that 20 additional attorneys have agreed to take on criminal cases in the less than two weeks since the governor and the legislature signaled that they would increase the hourly reimbursement rate from $80 an hour to $150 an hour. I know of a handful more who are coming on in the next couple of days. Uh, we have a ways to go. We are already seeing an amazing, amazing change. So I want to thank the legislature and the governor for agreeing to let us do this. Josh Tardy, an attorney who chairs the commission, credits Andrus with helping increase confidence, transparency, and accountability in the indigent legal system. He's been an invaluable asset for the commission. I'm, uh, I'm proud to have been one of the culprits that recruited him. And uh, I think uh, when he does leave, he's leaving the commission in, in a better place than he found it. The commission is expected to discuss the search for a new executive director in a future meeting. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Kevin Miller. The Maine State Lottery says a billion-dollar winner in January's Mega Millions game has claimed the prize. But who the winner is remains unknown. 
State Lottery official Michael Boardman says a representative of the winner, Lacoma Island Investments LLC, came to lottery headquarters last Friday with the winning ticket. And no, the lottery commission didn't hand over a check. The Lacoma Island Investments LLC, who's the winner, um, opted to take the one lump sum payment amount, which was uh, roughly $723 million. Uh, there's uh, state and federal withholding tax that we're required to withhold. Um, and then we will um, actually wire the, the, the balance of that, which is roughly $498 million, uh, to the account that they provided to us to be wired to. Boardman admitted he likes to meet excited winners, but understands this was an exceptional case. Still, Boardman says lottery officials always like to see people handling their winnings responsibly, and he wishes the winner well. The New England Aquaventus Offshore Wind Project took another small step forward today. The Public Utilities Commission asked its staff to work out terms of a long-term electricity contract for the project. As Murray Carpenter reports, they have a June deadline to complete the work. A 2021 state bill to support the offshore wind industry directed the PUC to enter into a 20-year contract with the wind project, which would include 10 floating wind turbines generating up to 144 megawatts of power. After hiring a consultant and conferring with the governor's energy office and the public advocate's office, Commissioner Patrick Scully says the PUC has drafted terms he finds reasonable. That I believe represents appropriate and essential contract terms and contract pricing that will allow the financing, construction, and operation of the project at the lowest reasonable cost of ratepayers. The commissioners requested that staff negotiate the final details with New England Aquaventus and report back to them by June 15th. If regulators approve the project, it'll be sited 45 miles southeast of Portland and could produce power by the end of the decade. For Maine Public Radio, I'm Murray Carpenter. A study committee is urging the Lewiston City Council to open a dedicated community detox center. The committee, formed by Mayor Carl Shaleen nearly a year ago, focused on how the city should respond to substance use disorder and its impacts on the community. The closest dedicated detox center is in Portland, and Catherine Ryder of Tri-County Mental Health Services says that's too far away. Because if you've ever seen somebody who is moving into withdrawal and those agonizing symptoms start for them. If you do not move quickly, you will lose them. And so we need to have a resource here that we can count on in a very timely, responsive way. So that is our number one. Lewiston does have a detox center for alcohol use, but not a dedicated walk-in center for those dealing with withdrawal from opioids. The committee also recommends adding more recovery and transitional housing and additional transportation options for those who need help getting to an appointment. And in other news, forecasters say that snow and sleet could cause problems for Maine commuters tomorrow morning. Sarah Thunberg with the National Weather Service in Gray says that two weather systems back-to-back will bring snow from Wednesday night into Friday. She says the heaviest snow will hit on Thursday morning, leaving up to a foot through the day in the mountains and less snow but more sleet further south. Anywhere between um, a quarter to up to three-quarters of an inch of is going to be possible um, across mostly southwest or southern New Hampshire and southwestern Maine. Thunberg says that most areas should be clear of precipitation by Friday afternoon. 
And in a look at the weather for the weekend, we will see more sun on Saturday as it does clear out. It'll be partly to mostly cloudy with highs from the single digits to around 20 degrees from north to south. To understand climate change, scientists at the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration need data. Lots of data. One critical source is a nationwide network of volunteers who record the daily weather. Across the U.S., there are 8,500 of them, including about 75 in Maine. One woman from Newcastle has been doing it for nearly six decades. Her name is Arlene Cole, and she's 92 years old. As part of our series Climate Driven, Patty White has more. Any time of day you're wondering what the current low or high is in Newcastle, there's a good chance Arlene Cole knows. So far today, and you will note that's in pencil, so far it was 3 for low and 12 for high. It's mid-morning on a frigid first day of February. Cole likes to check the weather throughout the day, but she won't take an official reading until 5 o'clock just as she has every day for more than half a century. I have 57 years of records. I give my records into NOAA every month. And this is... She pulls out a sheet of paper with her data for the month of January. It includes the daily highs and lows, 24-hour totals for rain and snow, and the accumulation on the ground. On this day, there's about eight inches of snow outside, but a couple weeks ago, the weather was dramatically different. January 13th, the high was 52. The low was 34. We had 1.75 inches of rain. We did not have any snow, and there was no snow on the ground. Cole can tell you the weather for each day as far back as 1957. That's when she started a personal diary with her observations, which she keeps tucked in a briefcase. Oh, here it is. This is my first book. Cole says she's always been interested in the weather. She grew up on a farm not far away in Jefferson, where her father's daily decisions about chores were dictated by the weather. Weather was important. Every morning, our kitchen door faced the north, but then you went around to the shed door, which was faced east, and he would kind of pause there and look, look at the weather. She became an official observer for NOAA in 1965, taking over the role for a friend who passed away. She's never missed a day, even as she raised a family, worked as a ballot clerk, and helped launch a local historical society. The few times she's been out of town, neighbors and family have filled in. Over the years, Cole has contributed more than 20,000 readings to NOAA's database. It's part of daily living. I don't really think anything about it. It's just, just one more thing. I, like I set the table for supper, I go out and read the temperatures. For Cole, it's routine. But for scientists at NOAA, her readings are essential for understanding weather and climate change. Their observations are the backbone of our nation's climate network. Nikki Becker is the observing program leader at the National Weather Service Forecast Office in Gray. NOAA's observer program officially started in 1890, but Becker says records go as far back as colonial times. You know, a lot of these, the precursor of them, 
they weren't probably originally thinking climate. But as it evolved over time, these records were archived and then you can use it for comparisons. Becker says even with today's technological advances, hand measurements by volunteer observers are the most efficient, cost-effective way to collect data. NOAA provides each observer with the same standardized equipment, whether they're in the Aleutian Islands in Alaska or mid-coast Maine. A few steps outside her front door, Cole walks past a 60-inch stake that measures snow depth towards a rain gauge. It's a metal cylinder about half as tall as she is that collects rain and snow, which Cole brings inside every day to measure. I just get this and I take it in every night and exchange it. Temperature readings are easier. She takes those from a digital reader on her kitchen counter that's hooked up to a thermometer outside. Cole has been recognized with multiple awards for her years of service as an observer. But at 92, she admits she's slowing down. And little by little, I give things up. There is no question. I am not the gay blade I used to be. But I don't see why the weather, why I can't go out and do the weather. And so she says she'll keep compiling data as long as she's able, helping scientists along the way. As the former director of the National Weather Service once put it, forecasts are for today, but observations are forever. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Patty White. And you can hear more stories in our climate-driven series this week. On Thursday morning, we'll hear about the rise in the popularity of green funerals. And check out all of the stories in our series at mainepublic.org slash climate-driven. And that's today's Maine News. For more stories, visit mainepublic.org. And coming up on Maine Calling at 11 o'clock on Thursday morning, the life and legacy of Jimmy Carter from his time in public service to his post-presidency work. I'm Robbie Feinberg. Thanks for listening. <laughs>